Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes... We are going to stand solidly behind Atrofos and his leaders. There will be no turning back from what has happened today. Opposition National Democratic Congress MPs smoke peace pipe with national executives of a palace coup at the front bench. But will the party be truly united after this? Also coming up, earthquake in Turkey and Syria leaves about 2,000 people dead. And many others, including our own football star, Christian Achu, trapped under the rubble. We'll be going live to Turkey for an update on the situation Plus reactions. And later on Eyewitness News, our finance minister, Ken Ofrata, is speaking and he says if we fail to secure the IMF bailout, Ghana's economy will grind to a halt. Stay with 97.3 CTF for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Economist Professor Gottfried Bobkin calls for exclusion of pensioners from the domestic debt exchange program. That will be in 15 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and CDTV. Eyewitness News is broadcasting across the globe on citynewsroom.com. Across Ghana, we are on a number of affiliate stations, including Boogly Radio on 88.6 FM in Wa. We are in Upper East on Word FM 88.3 in Zwarungu. In the Northern Region, we are on Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. In the Volta Region, we are on Holy 98.5 FM in Aplau. In the eastern region, we are on right 90.1 FM in Somanya. In the Ashanti region, on orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In the Bono region, on greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the western region, we are on premier 100.5 FM in Takradi Beach, 105.5 FM in Takradi, as well as Sky Power, 93.5 FM also in Takradi. The show is interactive. Do drop your messages using the WhatsApp number 0549 996 You can send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. We are also live on Facebook. You can watch us live and drop your comments there. This is Eyewitness News Broadcasting from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sandamadu here with Nashika Caesar. Let's start now with the National Democratic Congress. The party has been in internal turmoil since the General Secretary wrote a letter to the Speaker of Parliament announcing that the party had withdrawn its leadership, i.e. Haruna Idrisu, Muntaka Mohamed Mubarak and James Kuchaveji, and replaced him with a new leadership, i.e. the Honorable Dr. Atu Fosin and the Honorable Imano Amakofibua and the Honorable Gavin Squami Agboja. That did not go down well with the members of the NDC in Parliament who said they were not consulted 
and they went to town and challenged the leadership of the NDC. Today we are hearing that a new song has been sung by the NDC MPs and their leader, Johnson Asidu Nketia. Nashika has a story. The National Democratic Congress NDC says challenges confronting the reshuffle of the minority leadership in Parliament have been resolved. This comes after a meeting between the National Executive's Council of the Elders of the NDC and the Minority Caucus in Parliament to deal with grievances that arose following a shake-up in the leadership of the group. Speaking to journalists after the meeting, the National Chairman of the NDC, Johnson Isiedunketia, says the concerns raised have offered the party the opportunity to establish a framework for the running of the minority side of parliament. Uh, the meeting was called jointly by the Council of Elders, the National Leadership and um, our caucus in parliament to announce a resolution of what was perceived as an uh, existentially threatening crisis. Our opponents have been covered it by whatever names to make it look like NDC was collapsing. Um, as Alaiki has said, you can see from the enthusiasm that the challenges that uh, arose out of the announcement of the new leadership of our caucus in Parliament have all been resolved. Yeah. All concerns have been addressed. So we're just looking forward. We in NEC believe that sparks of truth emanate from clashes of opinion. And that was what has just happened. The um, Challenges that we've gone through in the past few days have produced very beneficial results. And that is that it has led to put on the front banner some problems that we have slept over. And that has to do with uh, the framework for organizing and leading our purpose in Parliament. It was work in progress, but it had not been completed. I think that these current challenges have brought the issue back on the front banner. So one of the takeaways from this meeting is for us to go quickly and expedite action on establishment of the framework for the running of our caucus in Parliament in future. So we want to thank all of you. We've already thanked our outgoing uh, leadership for the work that we have done because every situation requires, uh, brings about new solutions. And so we have uh, come to a point where the emerging challenges requires emerging solutions. And that is what we've done. And if you listen to our music, the revolutionary music, it says that killers may go, killers may come, but the revolution will continue. I believe that 
Cadets have come, and the revolution will continue. And so we've thanked our core leadership, and uh, we've cautioned the new leadership that the record of performance of the outgoing leadership serves as a challenge, a yardstick for the measurement of their own performance. And so they have also accepted the challenge. So we have resolved that. From tomorrow, we are going to back to refocus on the issues of the bad governance in the countries. I would including the work on the National Cathedral. I think that at the end of that particular journey, we may have maybe some bishop <laughs> or from within the corpus here. <laughs> so, on behalf of the party, we want to commend our honorable opinion to for one for finance, health, and other, we know that the fire will continue burning. Johnson Isidin Ketia is the national chairman of the NDC. Meanwhile, one of the petitioners who called for a suspension of the reshuffle for further engagement, Dr. Dominic Ayunis, says the group will support the new leadership in the discharge of its duties. Council, the chairman of the Council of Elders and the honorable members of the Council of Elders, um, national chairman, okay. national executives, all protocols of the the NDCDCB stands united. And that is because we have the people who can stand behind us so that we march into 2024 a victorious party. Those who talk, as the national chairman has said, that this constituted an existential crisis that was going to decimate the party. That was going to cement any privileges that emerged along regional lines, along ethnic lines, and along tribal lines. Today is your answer. We have moved away from that crisis, and we are emerging strong, so we can go forward. When we sent the petition to the Council of Members, I emphasized one thing, that this petition was not about the new leadership. It was not about Honorable Atufos. Neither was it about Honorable Amakua. Neither was it about Honorable Agoja. This petition was not also about Honorable Harun Edusu. Neither was it about Honorable Abedi. Neither was it about Honorable Muntaka. It was about process improvement and the right of the caucus to be consulted. I am very happy that the national chairman has acknowledged the fact that this has been consistently raised, this issue, by none other than my good self. Since 2017, I've raised it here on the floor that we need to deepen and broaden consultation. I am happy 
that the national chairman and everyone involved have acknowledged the utility of the conversation that was generated by the petition. And I want to thank all of you, my colleagues. We are going to stand solidly behind Atrofort and his leader. There will be no turning back from what has happened to him. God bless the NDC and God bless our whole nation. That was Dr. Dominic Hayine, who is a member of parliament for Bolgatanga East in the Upper East region. The announcement of the decision to choose Dr. Atu Forsen and remove Harun Idrisu as a leader of the NDC came as a shock and a surprise to many NDC MPs. Indeed, many of the NDC MPs heard that news first here on CDFM. One of them is Ningo Prampram member of parliament, Samonati George. He was not happy with the lack of consultation. He spoke to me on Eyewitness News and said there was a need for some consensus of a sort for the party to move forward. Today, I believe he was in that meeting and he's joining me on the line now. Mr. Nate George, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Were you at that meeting? Good evening, Amaro. Good evening to your listeners. Yes, I was present. Now, that meeting, uh, and before we even get to the issues that came out of it, um, we are told it's a meeting to smoke the peace pipe, and yet we do not see the quote-unquote ousted leaders at that meeting. Um, that doesn't send a positive signal for your campaign to forward march. Um, I do not know who gave the indication that that was a peace pipe smoking meeting. Um, like I said, I was at that meeting. I didn't see any pipes to be smoked. And so... Um, I don't know who gave that indication. That meeting had been advertised as a meeting between the caucus, our council of elders, and our national executives to outdoor the incoming leadership of our caucus. That's what that meeting was about. There had been previous meetings with the stakeholders, both collectively and individually, um, at various levels to resolve the issues. And so the issues have been resolved prior to this afternoon's meeting. This meeting was basically the result, or let me call it the, the child of, of of the meetings that had happened, that had brought uh, peace into the party and addressed the issues that had been fundamentally raised across board. I used your platform to call on the Council of Elders before the petition was sent to them to address it and step into the matter. Let me use your platform again to extend my profound ta- thanks and that of the entire caucus to the Council of Elders, led by the Venerable Alaji Mahama Idrisu, and I mean, there's several, several wonderful people on the Council of Elders. You know, um, the Akans have a proverb, to wait, if you have no elder in your house, then we'll be tied to you. We have shown that we're a political party that have elders at home who can always step in. Unlike our half-brothers on the other side who are in disarray, we have elders who can always settle the matter for us when there's discourse. I mean, every family, there is bound to be discourse. Even the mouth, the, in the mouth, the teeth and the tongue have conflict, but then they still reside in the same mouth. And so we're excited that this matter has been resolved. And most importantly, that the issues, the fundamental issues that were raised, have been adequately and properly addressed. And that, for me, is victory for all sides involved. So this was not a meeting to showcase to the world that you are one united party under one umbrella, because if that's 
the indication that we got, and if that's what you were intending to showcase, then having the people who have been removed would have sent that signal. But if you do not have that, and it's just a group of MPs, not the entire caucus, with your executives holding a press conference and saying that all is well, then it means that you are essentially saying your uh, grandmother is alive when she's already gone and and that's an, an adage or privilege you know what i'm trying to say are you yeah, not yeah, I are, no, are you not un, unnecessarily covering your own mess and pretending all is well sweeping things under the the carpet well i know sensational news sells and it would have been more sensational to have had the headline say that mdc still at the crossroads like the mpp is uh when even the president is been alleged to be part of the rancor and chaos that the NDP finds themselves in, and even being able to just select a date. We are not like that. Like I said, we have elders at home. This meeting was not supposed to showcase to anybody anything. It was to outdoor our incoming executives or leadership to the caucus. If you want to see the unity of the caucus, be on the floor of the house from tomorrow, 7th of, of February, and then you will see the unity of the 137 on the floor behind our leadership as we move. Let's bear in mind that the the three individuals who were at the subject of the whole brohaha um, are former leaders. The three that have been changed, the Venerable Haruna Ikrisu, uh, the indefatigable James Kluge and the quintessential Muntaka Mubarak, never wrote a petition, never complained anywhere to anybody. It is Members of the caucus, led by our former leader, Clayton Avoga, and the former Deputy Attorney General and senior member of the caucus, the Honorable Dominic Ayuni, who spearheaded a petition to the Council of Elders. And the, the, those two individuals were present at the meeting today. In fact, even Dr. Kluge Aveji, my chairman on the Public Accounts Committee, was present in that meeting. And so there is, there is no semblance of disconnect anyway. Like I said, this meeting is as a result of the extensive consultations. And I, I doff my heart out to the Council of Elders. Several meetings in the past seven days. They have stre- they've been stretched to their limits, but they have been able to hold the core of the party together. And, and so for me, today's meeting, nobody told us that they were bringing the old executives and the new executives together. No. In fact, you didn't have all 137. Members are still boarding flights from across the country to head back to Accra to arrive tonight for sitting to begin tomorrow. And so we didn't have everybody present. We had less than 100 of our members in there because members are still uh, caught in travels on their way back to Accra. And so it is, it is neither here nor there. The absence or presence of any one member of the House of the Caucus is inconsequential to what was said at the end. That, look, the petitioners are excited and happy about the decisions that have been reached. And Dr. Yino was very clear when he spoke, when he said this petition was not about Atu Fosen, it was not about Kofi Amabwa or, or Kwame Governor Zagboja, neither was it about Haruna Adrisu, Aveji or Muntaka. It was about processes. And steps have been taken to address the issues of processes. That for me is victory. That for me is a party that has its head properly screwed on and knows what the focus ought to be. The focus ought to be being fully prepared for the job and task ahead of us come tomorrow, 10 o'clock in the forenoon, 
on the floor of the house. Does it mean then uh, that uh, the petition that was sent to the Council of Elders has been properly uh, dealt with and disposed of, so you're moving forward? That's exactly what Dr. Dominikaini said. The fact that the issues of processes and, and the need for consultation and the fact that the national chairman admitted and said to us at the meeting that even previously, in his previous incarnation as, in his previous incarnation as general secretary, that the Harun Idrisu-led administration had prepared a draft document, a draft on the way forward, but unfortunately that had not seen the fulfillment of his maturity. And this whole situation has led us to a place where it is now front and center on the front banner and will become a topical issue that will be discussed and dealt with extensively. So for me, the issues that were raised on processes have been admitted to, and we're flushing out a roadmap to ensure that this never happens again. That is the mark of a functional party. Very well. Let me read this uh, post from your outgone chief whip and then ask you to comment. He has put up a tweet, um, no, this is a Facebook post, and he says, to all our supporters, and I'm referring to the Honorable Muntaka Mohammed Mubarak, he says, to all our supporters within and without, I had a lengthy meeting with my big brother, His Excellency John Dramani Mahama, on Saturday evening over the parliamentary reshuffle. I want to first of all thank him for the words of advice and encouragement to me as a younger brother. His Excellency's intervention has brought an end to all the brouhaha associated with the reshuffle. We are of the interest of our we are for the interest of our party NDC. We need to move on as a party and channel all our energies towards 2024 elections. I thank all our chiefs, queen mothers, imams, supporters for your prayers and solidarity. I pray for Allah's guidance in all our affairs. Long live NDC. Long live Ghana. These are the words of the Honorable Muhammad Muntaka Mubarak. But these words fell short of saying, I hereby declare my full support for Kesela to forcing for Kwame Agboja, for the Honorable Ama Kofibwa. This goes to cement the view or the fear or the suspicions that you have cracks within which cracks you are sitting on. Tomorrow, with the greatest of respect, um, except you want to manage the Honorable Muntaka Mubarak's communication, then you would choose the you would determine the choice of words that he would put. No, in. no, no, no. That 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 would be unfair. I am saying Absolutely. that if and he so, has spoken, no, let me let me. No, I think I think we should get this. No, no. Let's get get this straight. I have said I have read what he said, and I said that falls short of what would have been truly meant to be a united force. And you understand that's communication. That's he that's understands that's communication. That's understand that's communication. That's and I'm saying that what he said does not suggest that he has endorsed a new leadership. So I'm asking you if that is not a problem for you. No, and, and that's something that the entire basis and premise of your question is incorrect. Let me read what Honorable Montaka said. And I'm reading the second paragraph, the second and third sentences in that paragraph. So you can confirm that I'm reading the same thing that you just read. We are for the interest of our party, NDC. We need to move on as a party, and channel all our energies towards 2024 elections. Umaru, if this is not about galvanizing all our collective efforts towards the focus of the party, what more did you want her, uh, the Honorable Muntaka Mubarak to write? What I've just read to you, how does that not represent the fact that this is a man 
who is pledging his ultimate support towards the forward march of the NDC. What's the leadership of the NDC in Parliament going to be doing? It's not working towards the forward march of the NDC in 2024. I read again for emphasis. We are for the interest of our party NDC. The leadership that exists there today has been put there by the party, and so that's the interest of the party. He says he is for it, and he doesn't even just use the singular, he uses the plural, speaking on behalf of he and his two other colleagues, the leadership. He goes ahead to say, we need to move on as a party and channel all, not some, all our energies towards 2024 elections. Umaru, I think that the Honorable Montaka has stated clearly that open and uncompromising endorsement and support for the current leadership. And it's clear in, the, in, in what he just said. I mean, it's clear as daylight. There's no ambiguity in it. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you so much, Omar. That's the Honorable uh, Samonati George. is NDC MP for Ningo Pram Pram. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. When we come back, we'll go to Turkey, where an earthquake there has claimed the lives of at least um, 1,800 people. And we are told many more are under the rubble. And there's fear that our own Christian Achu, who is playing in that country, is also caught up there. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's talk about issues having to do with our economy now, Nashika. The Finance Minister, Ken Ufuriata, says failure to secure an international monetary fund bailout may ground Ghana's economy to a halt. The minister was addressing pensioner bondholders who picketed at the premises of the Finance Ministry to insist on their exclusion in a domestic debt exchange program. The minister pleaded with the pensioners to accept a 3.5% cut and accept the new terms of 15% coupon rate and 5% maturity. Looking at all of the categories, we say, well, these are retirees. Let's include those 59 who will be 60 this year and give them 15%. So the fight that we are presumably fighting here is the difference between 15 and 18.5%. The cost of that may be that we may not get an IMF clearance. And then your issues of inflation, capacity to pay, takes on a different view. So my challenge really, and I spoke to Doc a bit about it, is that look, what you have done is incredible and it's great. Now we are at a point where, what is that Dinkra symbol, or else the nation will come to a halt. So we've now brought you 
That was the finance minister, Ken Ofuyata. Meanwhile, with less than 24 hours to the deadline for the registration of the domestic debt exchange program, the Individual Bondholders Association of Ghana has stated that it will not accept certain aspects of the final memorandum of the program. The memorandum states that government intends to default on the payment of the February 6, 2023 maturities and coupons. The association notes that this is contrary to their engagement with the finance minister. In an interview with City News co-convener of the Individual Bondholders Association of Ghana, Martin Pebble called on the Minister of Finance, Ken Furiata, not to renege on his earlier promises to them. The finance minister uh, is using some scaremongering tactics, trying to cause them panic amongst our members by refusing to make payment on bonds that are due today. So in other words, some bonds are due today, and individuals are part of those bonds maturing. The bonds maturing today are worth about four billion two hundred million. Actually, guys, four billion one hundred eighty-five million. Blah blah blah. And so, in order to spook our members so that they will sign up to the domestic debt exchange program, the finance minister is made. U10, just one week on, and it's saying that they will not pay those bonds which are maturing today. We think that this is bad faith. Government cannot negotiate in bad faith like that. This is very poor governance. To use fear and panic to get people to sign on to the domestic debt exchange is unconstitutional. Discretionary power and the powers of gov- gov- uh, government as uh, stated in the constitution are not meant to be used in this manner. This is abuse of office that you promise people that you will make payments when the bond falls you, and this is one of those date and yet last Friday evening you bring out an amendment to the info memo or the exchange memorandum say that payments will not be made. Since this is unconstitutional, we call on the government to put the finance minister in order and finance minister in order to make payments as a false Martin Pebble also noted that a group will kick against their inclusion in government's domestic debt exchange. He's therefore advising its members to remain resolute and resist attempts by government to get them to sign on to the DDE as their technical and legal teams are assessing the memorandum and will advise on its implication by close of day. This is an abuse. The finance minister should not be allowed to abuse Ghanaians like that. He's going to cause murder. Is going to cause a lot of untold hardship on the citizens of Ghana. We don't want development that brings death. You don't have a country if you don't have citizens. We are still doing exempt, 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 exempt. That's what individual bondholders are doing. They don't want to be part of the debt exchange program. Martin Pebo is one of the conveners of the Individual Bondholders Association of Ghana and a legal practitioner. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We do have more from our, um, is it finance minister you have? What else do you have? Still on the domestic debt exchange program, the member of parliament for Sagnarigo and ranking member on the communications committee of parliament, ABA Fuseni, has hinted of plans by the minority in parliament to liaise with some majority members of the house to file another censor motion against the finance minister, Ken Ofuriata. The MP says the handling of the domestic debt exchange program by the finance minister is causing a serious threat to the already collapsed economy. Here is the lawmaker stressing the need for the finance minister to be removed from office. The, the issue of the government's domestic, domestic debt exchange program must come back before the House. Because the finance minister is arrogated to himself. 
uh, 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 rice that he doesn't have. Because we are saying clearly that some of it even have external dimensions. I'm sure you are aware. In external uh, 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 transactions must have the approval of parliament. And we are saying clearly that the way he's running the domestic debt exchange program, it will, it will run this country's economy into a ditch. In fact, already we are in a deep ditch. And I can tell you without that, that if you are not careful, the economy will totally collapse. And, and that is going to jeopardize the lives of 30 million Ghanaians. We cannot entrust this into the hands of the finance minister. We have already called for his resignation. This man should have been gone long ago. And he's still uh, subsisting as a finance minister. It's a disaster for this country. In a day, he stays longer. He's, he's, he's compromising the lives of millions of our people. And so we intend to reach out to our colleagues in the MPP, those who demanded that uh, the finance minister must go. We told them earlier on that the president cannot stop for Foresta because it's holding the president to ransom. He can't do anything about the finance minister. But we, the parliament, must move together and move that motion of censor again that we moved and get the finance minister out. He also added that the minority will demand the appearance of the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, before the House to answer questions on allegations of printing about 50 billion Ghana cities without parliamentary approval. I'm sure that you have seen that in recent times where prices have escalated, the cost of living has gone up again. I'm sure when the statistical service comes up again, they are going to further update the level of the the, the uh, 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 rate of inflation. And so life is becoming more and more and more difficult for millions of Ghanaians on a daily basis. And so we are going to demand that the, the governor of the Bank of Ghana should come before the House and tell us uh, the contribution he has made to the escalating inflation. Because we are all aware that in the last uh, six months, the governor has printed 50 billion Ghana cities. And you know that when government prints money, more money, you know how inflation runs, more, more cash chasing goods. And so, it is the governor of Bank, Bank of Ghana who is fueling inflation in the country. We are demanding as representatives of the people that he come and answer as to why you should print those uh, uh, new currencies without authorization. That was the ranking member on Communications Committee of Parliament, ABA Fuseni. Let's remain on the issue of the bond and speak to Dr. Yawedu Anani Entry. He is convener of the Pensioners Bond Holders. So, these are people who are pensioners but who also have government bonds, which bonds are going to suffer a haircut. They have been asking for the government to exempt that. There was an announcement that it was exempted, and now today today they're going to the ministry to pick a dog. You're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you. But you gave me uh, a national name. I'm not here. I don't have here. Okay, so it's Dr. Eduanani Entry. Apologies yes. for that. Maybe, which day born are you, by the way? Friday. Okay, so that's Kofi. So, Dr. Kofi, you do an entry. I apologize for giving you yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you haven't done this kind of exercise in a long time, coming to converge on the ground and be yes, chanting. Were you yes. shouting, chanting, singing, dancing? What kind of, what, how was your picketing like? Even when they, I, when they said they were going to sing, I said they shouldn't sing because it was a, a business environment and people are working and we didn't want to disturb them with uh, uh, songs. Uh, so, but they still uh, impressed upon me that we, have, we, we want to sing something small, the national anthem. So I said, well, you can sing, but slow, so that you don't disturb people who are working uh, uh, unnecessarily. So they mm. sang uh, a little there. Were you plenty? Were you many? No, no, we said we couldn't, uh, we didn't want to uh, endanger the lives of our members especially given our ages. Uh, if you ask 
all of them to come. Uh, some of them, definitely, if they come and stay there even for 30 minutes, the repercussions will be uh, severe. So we tried as much as we could to say, please don't come because your life is also important to us. So if we are in any state that we think that we should not allow you to come, we didn't allow you to come. And so we informed the police that we could bring just about 50 people who we think can stand the, the stress and the, uh, whatever is involved in the, in the standing. So I am happy the people who went there, nobody uh, <laughs> complained about tiredness, dizziness, uh, at least they were able to. to and we sent uh, chairs there so people could sit down, if you can't stand, sit down uh, for that one hour. I see. It is a rarity for a minister to come and speak to people who are picketing. Often when we see that at the Ministry of Employment and Labor or Ministry of Health, it's usually maybe the deputy. Even for people who go on demonstration to the Jubilee House, sometimes they are met by presidential staffers or ministers of state and so on. But you got the minister himself to come speak to you. Were you... First of all, excited by his presence, and two, did he satisfy your request or demands? No, the second one first is that no, that satisfaction wasn't there. But at least that that tells you that the elderly needs to be respected in the society. Uh, if the elders come to you, normally, normally, if it wasn't, it is for we rather that move to the elders and do some consultation. But here we are, we have to go there because of uh, administrative issues. So when the elders have come to you and they say they want to uh, uh, speak with you, we know that traditionally you will not just say, I won't come and see you when you are there. You will come and see the elders and give them that respect. So that we were expecting the minister to do. And he did, and he also and gave he you, he, so so you came with an offer, he gave you a counter offer, does it mean you have no deal, or at least you got a deal living there? No, there's no deal. We 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 are asking for uh, an exemption from the program, and that is where uh, all this uh, 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 consultation and uh, speaking to former presidents and uh, other uh, institutions that are, that that uh, perform some key role in our governance, the Council of State, Chief Tennessee, uh, National House of Chiefs, Imam, uh, National Chief Imam, uh, Christian Council, Catholic Bishop Conference, uh, Charismatics and uh, uh, Associ- uh, Churches Association, the Council of State. All these people have been there. Uh, we have sent that petition to them, copied them, I say they should sympathize with us, and they all sympathize. When I went to uh, President, uh, former President Kufo, he himself and the elderly person, he, re- he recognized the problem that the elderly ones are going through and said, well, we think that uh, you should be helped uh, to resolve this matter. We couldn't get uh, former President Mahama because we had trouble at that time, and we are yet to get uh, uh, a statement from his office, I mean, uh, indication from his office that he's available for us to see. So all these people haven't come to say, yes, we support this. Let's treat our elderly, you know, differently. Let them not, let us not burden them with even the national burden. 
they are no longer able to bear any other bed. It's a village. We all have societal needs. We must go and construct a place of convenience. We must go and do this. And the, the people repeat we, we gone, gone that we are going to do that. The elder ones don't go. Why? The elders don't go and take the 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 the, the, the earth to construct the the pit uh, latrine as we use in the in the village. But we all have to help build and make our nation yes, strong. Yes, where you have to help. If the nation was like a, a, your, your 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 car, and your car, you your car, why it gets stuck in the mud? You call old ladies to come and push. You call people who cannot push to come and push. No. Let's okay. respect some of the uh, uh, traditional and, 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 and customs and, and wisdom. Every other village, it gets to a point in time, you are not even allowed to pay funeral contribution donation. We call it in Sawa. When somebody dies, my village is paid only one city per person. But even that one city, they exempt you from paying that one city. When you get to some age, that is what society cherishes and allow these old people to have some breathing space. They have fought a good fight. They have paid their race. What they are waiting for now is for God to give them some life to see their great-grandchildren and live this world. What again can they do? Weak. They must rather be supported. They okay. are weak. They can't do anything again. They should rather be supported. And if you go to the advanced world, they are supported. What is the way forward for you after today? What next? After today, since we haven't received any exemption, tomorrow we are going. If we don't receive exemption after tomorrow, we will go Wednesday. Even though the... Our letter letter to the police was simple that we will converge there every working day from today, every working day from 10 to 11 until our request is accepted. But I thought the minister made some concessions, no? No concession. The minister was just explaining and appealing to us that what is on the table now, we should all agree and accept so that this nation can move forward. Well, I'm saying that if the minister wants 80%, unless we we have been told and we get a figure that if you exempt pensioners, in addition to the pension funds, you are not going to get your 80% uh, success uh, rate. I don't have that figure. But I, I believe if you exempt pensioners and uh, you add that one to what uh, pension funds, uh, the, the amount that pension funds hold in government bonds, and take these two away, you will still get your 80%. People are even suggesting that if you take all individuals and add to pensioners, to pension funds, you will still get your 80 I don't have those figures. But nobody also has uh, shown me figures which shows that if Pensions have been exempted. If you add pensioners, we won't hit the 80. I don't have that figure. Very well. Thank you. The Minister of Finance is scheduled to speak this evening. Indeed, the Ministry of Finance advertised that he'll be speaking at 6 p.m. There's an artwork that it has put out on the uh, Domestic Debt Exchange Program of Ghana. Maybe they'll mention, he'll mention you. So please stay listening into CTFM or tune into CTTV. We'll be bringing another update as soon as the minister is ready to give it to Ghanaians. Okay, that's, that's-
that would be a good news so that the, the old men and the, they ha- can have some peace and don't be thinking what's next what are, what is it what is going to happen to me we want to remove that stress from them thank you for speaking to us doc you are welcome. That's Dr. Eduanani Entry, he's convener of the Pensioners Bond Holders. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Like I said, uh, the Ministry of Finance has advertised that the Minister Ken Oforiata will be given an update on the economy, specifically on Ghana's domestic debt exchange program. That is advertised for 6 p.m., which is about 17 minutes ago. The live feed is yet to come through to us. When it does come through, We'll bring it to you here on 97.3 CTFM and City TV. We'll be back with more. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city973. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Yeah, welcome back. Let's now do some other stories. The Upper East Regional Security Council, RESEC, is calling on the feuding factions in the Boku ethnic conflict to seize the gunfires and embrace peace. The conflict has resulted in the loss of lives and destruction of property. The military was last week accused of allegedly killing seven people, but speaking during a working visit to commensurate with the bereaved families in Boku, RESEC Chairman Stephen Yakubu called for a ceasefire. So our message is that please, please, please let all the guns in Boko be silenced. Let us put Boko back to the map of Ghana. Let us seek peace. That is the only way, peace. Whatever it takes, let us have peace. In conflict situations, it is usually women and children who suffer the most. And we all know over the years that fighting never solves any problem. It rather draws us back. It rather increases our poverty level. We all know banks have closed, schools have closed, hospitals have closed, commercial activity is completely almost zero. People are scared. These are the facts of Boko. These are the realities of Boko. What are we doing? My fathers, my brothers, my mothers. What are we doing? No one can come and seek peace for us. We will have to seek the peace ourselves. People will come and talk and go. People will come and see and leave. People will come and listen and go. But the peace is us. That was the Upper East Regional Minister Stephen Yakubu. Now a 48-year-old woman has died after she was allegedly stabbed at Sepe Pukum in the Shanti region. A 21-year-old boy who lives opposite the residence of the deceased is alleged to have entered her room in the morning and stabbed her multiple times. Co-tenants of the deceased said they heard a cry, a loud cry from her room, and later found her lifeless body in a pool of blood after they broke into her apartment. Some youth in the area arrested the suspect and handed him over to the police. The deceased, Akusio Ija, who recently returned from abroad, was said to have had a misunderstanding standing with a suspect some weeks ago. Police have conveyed the body of the deceased and deposited it at the morgue. Now, pressure group Arise Ghana wants the government to make public the agreements 
with its foreign entities and its gold for oil program. This is on the back of government's revelation that the initial 40,000 tons of diesel that arrived in January under the gold for oil policy was valued at $40 million. The group says not publicizing the agreement with other entities raises questions about its transparency. A member of the group, Mensa Thompson, called on the government to seek parliamentary approval on the policy. Where is the agreement for the gold for oil? As Ghanaians, we are entitled to see the agreement the government of Ghana has signed with a foreign entity to, to exchange gold for oil. Again, Article 1815 is very clear that any transaction between government of Ghana and a foreign company should go to parliament for approval. This gold for oil thing did not go to parliament for approval because as we so Article 1815 has been breached, and that is why we are sending a word of caution to the Ministry of the Minister for Energy, Dr. Matiopoku Prempe, the people at NPA, the people at Bost, and all the people who are leading this arrangement that this agreement has not received parliamentary approval, and so anything they do in the name of the people of Ghana is null and void. Mesa Thompson is a member of the Arise Ghana Group. Now, the Northern Electricity Distribution Company, Netco, is yet to restore power to the University of Development Studies City campus after the institution was disconnected on Thursday, February 2. Workers of Netco were detained by security officers after they cut power to the institution following the non-payment of 445,000 cities. Management of USD and Netco subsequently met over the incident. City news sources indicate that Netco is proposing the installation of prepaid meters, but a consensus has not yet been reached. The communications officer for Netco, Maxwell Kotoka, tells City News there would be further engagement on the matter. They remain disconnected, but uh, a lot of uh, progress has been made to pharmacy. Uh, the uh, leadership of CBS uh, came to the leadership of the operational area and uh, we have made some commitments. Uh, we have paid out of the years on that particular account which is the of 445,000 uh, they have brought a deposit of 300,000 but I must say that we are not entirely satisfied with the payment and the way forward. So those are two city points that remain outstanding. Uh, which there have been a number of issues. As we speak now, they are meeting again uh, with hired the top management on the way forward. So we will be able to... Uh, hopefully, we would have been resolved at the time that. But BBS has a number of other accounts. Uh, in all, they have about 41 different accounts. Various uh, campuses, various facilities here. So they have about 31 different accounts. 
Maxwell Kotokai is the communications officer for the Northern Electricity Distribution Company. Now, the Senior Staff Association of the Electoral Commission of Ghana has given the commission a February 15 deadline to settle all outstanding administrative issues that are hampering productivity. The association says power has been disconnected to some offices due to the non-payment of electricity bills. It also claims the EC is unable to service and maintain official vehicles among other the challenges in a letter to the chairperson of the EC and signed by leaders of the association, the staff said members may seek legal redress if their issues are not addressed. The National Council, the second highest decision-making body of the SSA and the mouthpiece of the senior staff members of the various regions, have resolved to the following. Commission's inability to settle all outstanding administrative releases in full by the 15th February 2023 will cause the following. Hanging of red flags at all offices of the Commission from 16th February 2023 to show our protest. Officers will be unable to perform administrative and operational functions that require any financial commitment. The National Council of the Association may employ other legitimate and permissible tools and that the labor law of Ghana to press home our demands after hanging the red flags. Members should also endeavor to address all these pertinent issues in a timely manner for industrial peace and harmony to prevail, considering the fact that this year is an election year. You heard excerpts of a letter written to the Electoral Commission and the leadership of the Senior Staff Association and read by City News' Philip Nilati. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details now. The Importers and Importers Association of Ghana is calling on government to ensure policies implemented in the country do not stifle the growth of businesses. The association maintains some of such programs like the recent increments in the monetary policy rates appear to worsen the plight of indigenous entities who are already really under the prevailing economic situations. Samson Asakia Wingerbet is the Executive Secretary of the Association and he believes such actions hinder the ease of doing businesses in the country. Now, the Pharmaceutical Importers and Wholesalers Association of Ghana, PIWA, have attributed current price hikes of pharmaceutical products to the spillovers from the 2022 when the CD was woefully depreciating against the U.S. dollar. The association maintains that although the scrapping of the benchmark values has impacted their businesses, it has relented in rolling out any further price hikes. In an interview with City Business News, the president of the Pharmaceutical Importers and Wholesalers Association of Ghana, Dr. William Idumado, assured that his outfit will do all it can to ensure consumers get favorable prices at retailing points. Uh, there's been a little price hike with some of the products because, uh, you know, this year the VAT increment has kicked in. Nobody is enjoying the benchmark value uh, discount any longer. So now we are paying 100% tax on the products. 
You know, previously we had some relief by paying less than 50%, and they reviewed it, and now they reviewed it fully to 100%. So let's say if you used to pay 70 or 80 uh, cities, just for example, now you'll be paying 100 cities because now you are not giving any relief. And maybe that may be the contributing factor to the price differential currently. And I can confidently say that the hike is not uh, as much as when the CD depreciated seriously against the major foreign currencies. Uh, to the consumers, I want to assure them that we'll try as much as possible to ensure uh, that uh, we'll maintain good prices that will be affordable and at the same time ensure that always they get very high quality products uh, from the pharmacies. Dr. William Edum Addo is the Pharmaceutical Importers and Wholesalers Association of Ghana. Now, Insurance Brokers Association of Ghana, IBAG, is calling for a period review in insurance premiums in the country. According to the association, this will ensure insurance companies are able to pay prompt and adequate claims to their clients. There was a public outroar over the recent increment in the premium by the National Insurance Commission, but President of IBAG, Shaibu Ali, believes such upward adjustments are crucial to the survival of the industry. The ideal situation should be that look, it should be very regular. As inflation goes up, as the exchange forex goes up, we should look at this maybe on a year-to-year basis so that it, remain, it remains um, re- relevant. But if you do this and it takes you the next six years to come back, you cannot get a jump that would be acceptable to the insurance public. They would cry over it. And so that's what is creating the problem. We should be realistic to be able to increase this when the times are changing. But any time there's an attempt to increase it, and then we have to, like, backslide because of the reaction from the public, it comes back to hurt us more. He had a president of the Insurance Brokers Association of Ghana, Shaibu Ali. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Nashika Siza. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umar Rusanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank, we are going to Turkey. 
number of news portals are reporting of a devastation caused by an earthquake. The BBC's top headline says more than 2,600 people dead in Turkey and Syria after a major earthquake. Other stories, Turkish Roman era castle destroyed by earthquake. Jeff Type Edwin, the president of Turkey, says the quick is the worst disaster in decades. There are footage and pictures of what eyewitnesses captured during the quick and shared same on social media. Also, we have a, a bad or sad story coming through that our own Christina Chu, who was with the national team, the Black Stars, is also caught in a rubble or trapped under the rubble in Turkey following the earthquake. So let's exact understand the situation in uh, Turkey now. Dr. Muhammad Samsun is a resident around the area where the quake happened. He's joining us on the line now to speak to us. Doc, you're welcome to CTFM in Accra. How are you? Thank you very much. Uh, we can say we are, we thank God for Almighty Allah for the day, uh, but we are in a difficult situation over here in Turkey, especially with that we live from Osmania City. So you are in Osmania? Yeah. Which areas are uh, hard hit? So actually, uh, I have my office in Usmania. I was uh, out of the office the day before yesterday. Then uh, today, early morning, I get a call around 4.14 in the morning by my wife that there is an earthquake. Then I have to run back to Usmania to see how the situation is. And when you went, what did you see? Uh, very, very terrible because uh, when even I was entering Usmania, uh, there is no entrance to Usmania. They are not allowing anybody to enter uh, because uh, the situation is too bad. Uh, but I managed, because I'm a medical practitioner as well, I managed to enter through. But we cannot pass to other area in Usmania because most of the houses, they have gone down. Because right now, I'm telling you, more than 100 houses, have come down in Usmania. And that's not even the hardest hit area, is it, Usmania? Yeah, we are among the worst area over there. What other areas were affected? Uh, it affected uh, a city called Iskandrum. It's uh, just around uh, around 50 to 60 kilometers out of Usmania. And then we have another city called Adana. It affected a little. Uh, but there is a major one city around like uh, 150 kilometers or more. It's called Hatay. Uh, Hatay, even now, I just have a call from a friend. They are not even getting any help because we need to pass through there. 
the hospital have gone down, the, the uh, general hospital over there for the government, uh, some of the police area have gone down. Like they don't have a means. Now, even a means of entering there is a problem. And the problem is that we, we this thing happened in a winter section. Uh, we are experiencing a call. Like, like now it's snowing. You cannot move anywhere. The snow is affecting us. And at the same time, wind is affecting us. And then this thing occurs at the same time. How is your family? Uh, not bad. Uh, for now, I check my family. They are inside the car. We are trying to move out of the city so that we can go to a safe location. Where is but, safe? Uh, everybody is panicking. They are not well. Everybody is uh, panicking. Uh, they couldn't find it difficult. The children are crying. Like they are thinking this is the end of the world. And where are you running to? Now we are heading to Ankara. Uh, it's the capital city around uh, 400 kilometers away from Usmania. And you believe that is a safe place to go to? We, we hope so, because uh, that is the center of Turkey, one. Uh, secondly, our embassy is uh, situated in Ankara. Then we want to go back to Ankara and see how the situation will be. When, you say, embassy, the, when you say embassy, it means you are not Turkish yourself. Yeah, I am, uh, I'm a Nigerian, uh, but I live in Turkey for the past 12 years, and I'm married to with a Turkish wife. I see. Do you know, we, we are seeing reports, 2,600 people dead. Um, for us here, this would be just statistics, but you clearly maybe would have know, know someone or know someone who knows someone who who suffered. Is this story close to you, the death that have been reported? I, of course, of course. Uh, I have even a neighbor, and then I have my uh, brother-in-law, his house have gone down, and they have a debt over that house. And then uh, for now, approximately what we are hearing from Turkey, uh, within about like uh, six to seven cities, uh, the debt is around more than 2,000. Because only on is in Usmania, we have more than 300 people dead. Only Usmania. Okay. Now, how is the government reacting down there and the security agencies? What are you watching on Turkish TV and social media? What is happening? Uh, uh, no, for the Turkish now, uh, because since when it started today morning, uh, all most of the Turkish, uh, I think about more than 80% to 90 all the Turkish uh, uh, TVs and then uh, radios, they are focusing on the uh, earthquake. And then uh, uh, the government are doing their best because uh, they have already employed all the security agencies from the gendarme, from the soldiers, from the police. Even there are some volunteers. They are all going towards that area so that they can give their own contribution. And then we have some uh, private uh, private uh, communities like uh, we have in Turkey. We have uh, one called IHH, IHA. Uh, I saw them many on the way going. We have Asia. I saw the main one the way going. And then we have some uh, non-government organization from uh, like Azerbaijan. They are even coming by their own jet because we have uh, some airports in Adana, just uh, one one, uh, 106 hours away from Osmania. They are coming through there. You say that you are headed towards um, Ankara, which is your administrative yeah. capital. You are fleeing the scene of devastation. I believe you are not the only one doing this. You would have encountered several other persons fleeing on the road, or it, the roads are clear? 
parts that I couldn't get to clear. Yes, we wanted to understand if there are many other people trying to leave the area you are towards Ankara so that the traffic situation as you move uh, eastwards. The traffic is so hectic because uh, right now, uh, Micah, with the situation of the winter, Micah, if I'm going, I cannot speed more than 20 to 30 because uh, there's a lot of traffic, there's a lot of people going around. Even some are trying to see if they can move there with their own uh, barefooted to move out of those areas. Talking of uh, the people are having cars. But right now, everybody is evacuating uh, because uh, when I'm coming in the morning, I uh, encounter many people are coming from Istanbul, uh, from Ankara, from Eskishel. They're just coming to pick their own people. Some of them, they have a relative. Everybody is coming to pick his own people, and they get out of the city. But still, we have people there. They are, they are frustrated. Uh, they are just uh, trying to see how they can get help from the uh, non-government organization if they can leave the city. Because it's not everybody has the opportunity to have his own private car to move out of the uh, city. Because uh, most of the uh, local committee bosses, they are not working. Most of them have been going to see how they can because uh, all the have gone out stuck inside, then they have to go for uh, how they can have. Hello, Doc. Can you hear me, Doc? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I, th- I think I lost you there at the tail end of your submission. I lost you. Okay, okay. I said uh, right now, most of the uh, commercial bosses and other people within the government, they are trying to go to those areas so that they can rescue their own people. Uh, because we have uh, most of the buildings that have come down, a lot of people have been stuck inside the building. Uh, because in Osmania, uh, there is a particular building I know. It's uh, a nine-story building. Uh, it comes down all, there is more than... Uh, uh, more than like 100 to 200 people living in that area, in that building. I think they said for now they just moved not more than five people. Some of them are stuck inside. So major buildings went down. Pardon? I'm saying the the, the sizes of the buildings that went down. This would be huge story yeah. buildings or or, or, or low rise buildings. Uh, no, most of these uh, the buildings that we are having they are high hill buildings. Apartment. All right. Um, now you also mentioned that there's an issue with snow. Um, that becomes a twin problem for you because if people are removed from their houses because the houses have collapsed, they would need shelter, and outside would be too cold for them. How 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 is the government solving that problem? Yeah, for now, the government are trying to, like, uh, especially food, uh, especially blankets. Yeah, the government are trying, uh, but the issue is that there are local areas that even the government cannot go through because of how the people have gone down, they cannot clear the road. But for the other people that they can get through past, the government are trying their best. Because uh, when I'm coming out, I saw some government cars, they are feeding some people just on the street. And then they are trying to create like a shelf uh, on the roadside so that uh, people can be able to enter and they catch some little warmth. But uh, the best thing is that most of them now they are seeing if they can have some buses that they can take the people outside of the city, at least to a city nearby, that they can be safe. 
Finally, you have left your home. I believe you could not pack all your belongings. What's the plan? You're going to come back or that's it? Goodbye to uh, Osmania. No, for now, for my house, now I don't know even the situation. I didn't pick even a shirt because when I go there, my family, they are already outside because when it starts shaking in the morning, they say like some of the work drops have come down, then they have panicking. And when they try to go outside, when I go back to Usmania, we cannot even go to that location. Then because of that, we don't know the situation of the house. I didn't go and pick anything. Just the, the clothes I have in myself, that is what I have. Uh, but actually, uh, this is where I live for like about 20 years. Uh, it's my home now. Let's see how it will end. When we are safe, we can go and see how it will be. We wish you all the best and thank you for speaking to us. You are much welcome. That's Dr. Mohammed. He's a doctor based in Turkey, Osmania. is the area where he was at with his family before the earthquake drove everybody out because it has destroyed buildings and the BBC is reporting that 2,600 people at least uh, have uh, died. And um, the sad story too is that our own um, footballer, uh, Christian Achu, um, well, we are told he's also um, trapped under the rubble of the collapse of the buildings. And if you look at our social media platforms all over, people are praying for Christian Achu that he should be found. Uh, we are told he was there with his manager. He just was was playing over the weekend. And we are told he even scored the only goal for the winning side of his club, which he is a part of now in uh, Turkey before this unfortunate news came through. There are lots of reactions coming through in Ghana. Our president Nana Adodanko Akufado has sent a tweet and uh, let me just read that for you. Um, he, he tweeted a few hours ago. Let me read that. It says we, on behalf of government and people of Ghana, extend heartfelt condolences to the governments and peoples of Turkey and Syria on the devastation and the tragic loss of lives occasioned by Monday's earthquake. He continues to say may their souls rest in perfect peace. Our hearts and prayers go to go out to the survivors and we pray that our fellow Ghanaian Christian Achu is found safe and sound. So that is what um, the, the President Anadudankwa Kufado has tweeted in relation to the situation that is happening in not just only Turkey but also in uh, Syria, the neighboring country. We are told that even parts of Lebanon have recorded the quake that uh, has caused the lives of thousands of people. Former President John Dramani Mahama has also tweeted and he says, let's continue to pray for our brother Christian Achu and his club director. The city of Hayat is in the region affected by the earthquake. Uh, let's continue to pray that God spares their lives. And this is a retweet from Eurofoot.com, which is saying that Hatayaspor forward Christian Achu and director Tana Savud have been left under the rubble after the earthquake in Turkey. The capital of Turkey is Ankara, from where I've been joined now by a former colleague here at CTFM, Farida Shaibu. Farida, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Farida, can you hear me? Okay, I do not have Farida. I will try to re-establish connection to her. She is in Ankara in Turkey, and uh, we'll be hearing from her on what the situation in Ankara itself is. If you look at social media, lots of comments being 
made about the situation in in Turkey. Uh, people were praying generally for Christian actually there's even a full article written by the BBC on that and it says that uh, the Ghana Football Association has asked fans to pray for former Chelsea and Newcastle forward Christian Achu, who has reportedly been trapped under the rubble caused by the devastating earthquakes in Turkey. Both Achu, 31, and his high-tire sport, sporting director, Tane Savut, were left under the rubble after the quake. Leading Turkish sports presenter Yagiz Sabunkoglu has reported it says Hatay Sport is the main club in Hatay, one of the cities affected by the 7.5 quake that has killed at least 2,000 people in Turkey and Syria. The Ghana Football Association said in a tweet that, quote, we pray for Ghana international Christian Achu and victims of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, unquote. Quote continues, it says, we continue with our efforts to establish contact with officials of Hatay Sport and the Turkish Football Federation, considering the difficult situation, unquote, it's added. Newcastle have also tweeted to add their prayers uh, for, quote-unquote, some positive news. And the the handle of Newcastle United, a club he used to play for, says, praying for some positive news, and mentions Christian Achu, and adds his photograph there. And the story continues, Achu, who has 65 caps for Ghana, spent the majority of his club career in England where he signed for Chelsea in September 2013. The winger was loaned to host a, to a host of clubs including Everton, Bournemouth and Newcastle United for whom he signed permanently in 2017. They added a screenshot of the, uh, the tweet from the Ghana Football Association. Meanwhile, the main page of the BBC uh, is Still reporting about the numbers, there's a live feed there, and the pictures do not look good. Indeed, um, the gentleman I just spoke to, the medical doctor who spoke to us from Turkey, has shared some pictures and videos with us, uh, very disturbing uh, pictures and videos that he's sharing with us about what he's uh, witnessing there as he tries to flee with his family uh, to Ankara, the capital, and he's shown us videos, uh, one that I'm just looking at now. So in that video, I'm seeing people driving on a major highway and the roads are covered in snow. Earlier, he sent this voice note. Listen. All this said experience. Uh, this is uh, uh, pictures that have been uh, snapped by my wife in the dear light. Uh, and just this are the only area that she can be able to pass because the remaining area she cannot even pass through there. And now uh, even the worst part that we are facing, I will send you some video when I'm coming, a lot of snow. Like now we are moving, uh, we cannot even move more than uh, 30 to 40 our managers of the car because there is too much snow snowing down you cannot even move too much traffic too much snow too much raining all this said experience so that's uh, the doctor who we spoke to a short while ago um and it has to do with the situation in Turkey, we do not currently have the situation uh, or the exact s- situation with um, 
uh, a football star. Christian Achu, we are told, is caught under the rubble or is trapped under the rubble. Uh, unfortunate, disturbing news. Let me go to Ankara and speak to Farida Shaibu, a former colleague here at CTFM who is resident now in Ankara, Turkey. Farida, you're welcome to CTFM. Yes, I can hear you. Is 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 better now. Um, how how is the situation? Um, is is Ankara affected? No, Ankara is not affected. Um, if I should say, fortunately, because we are um, very far away from um, Hayat, which is about from Accra to Tamale, so that should be uh, quite a distance. But did you feel the quake in in Ankara? Did you feel any shaking of the earth in any way? Yes, of course. For such a magnitude, I think usually you'd feel some aftershocks because we've had um, places as far as Jerusalem, Israel, you know, feeling the the earthquake. And for for those of us in Ankara, even today, I think there were some people who had to move out of their office buildings because um, there were reported cases of some buildings shaking here and there. So those are the aftershocks. Some of us feel it. And I think last night, um, I don't know if it was as a result of the earthquake, but it's possible. We also felt something, you know. So we didn't feel um, there was no earthquake as, as, as much as in Hayat, but we, we felt a bit of tremor due to the magnitude. Is it a regular occurrence, earthquakes? I've been here for about three years. Um, this is the second time I have felt um, some tremor, I wouldn't say earthquake, but of course there have been reports in Istanbul, in other areas. The first time I experienced it was um, a couple of months ago, I think getting to the end of last year. So it was just about 4 a.m., just around that time, and then we just saw the room swaying left and right. You know, you can just feel the bed you're lying on, moving, and it was quite scary. Mm. Initially, I didn't know what was going on because I was sleepy, so I thought it was a dream or something like that. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't know what is happening until you wake up and, and then you see in the news that, okay, there was an earthquake and there was a tremor here and there. It, it was very scary. So yesterday, I think something came into my mind, actually, when when I started feeling, you know, those it, 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 it gets scary hmm. and, and, and how is the reaction from the population especially in the capital where you are to the events in in Hataya? um yeah um are people are people taking to social media commenting on this was a traditional media reporting about it what has the government been doing yeah, so far um, there's been um, the government has declared a seven-day uh, mourning nationwide. Um, actually, this this came um, um, coincidentally to um, a snow alert warning we had yesterday. So today the news was that all roads, um, all schools will be closed, and some roads will be blocked because we're expecting very heavy snow, which didn't happen only to wake up to the news that there was rather an earthquake. So I, I can just imagine if we had that amount of snow we were expecting, which was supposed to be about 80%, in addition to this earthquake, I don't know what would have happened. Because even till now, uh, with rescue efforts still ongoing, there are still people trapped under. And then the, the dangerous thing is that they are still feeling cold. You know, there's so much cold down there, and then there are people still down there. And then 
from what I hear, it makes it difficult, you know, for them to actually stay in there for long because, of course, there there's so much cold that you you can't do anything about it. Mm. So, yeah. What's the time now? It's um, it's 10 p.m. exactly. Which means that rescue operations may have to be suspended because it's night, unless maybe they have enough light to to guide them, and the exercise may have to I, continue tomorrow. I think it's ongoing because they they just can't stop. They have they have enough lights from what I was seeing in the news. Um, there are people still um, calling for help and then asking to to be rescued. So mm. I don't think they are going to stop anytime soon. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Farida, and please be safe and take care of yourself. Thank you too. That's Farida Shaibu, a former colleague here at CTFM, who is resident now in Ankara, Turkey, speaking to us there about the sad situation. We have an eye on that story. Please go to our website, citynewsroom.com. Uh, we would have minute-by-minute um, minute update as and when we get it uh, from there. But for now, though, that would be it for Eyewitness News. Unfortunately, we are unable to bring you the um, live address by the Minister of Finance, which was advertised for 6 p.m. Uh, it appears that something may have gone wrong, or I'm not sure what exactly to say, but that address did not happen. However, if it happens, um, trust CTFM and CDTV to bring it to you. My name is Omar Rusanda Amadou. This has been Eyewitness News. I also was on the show with uh, Nashika Caesar. Production by Beverly London, Sami Yafi, Fred Teti, Japano. The technical support from Daniel Squashi and Edwin Kwakofi was handling the new media side of things. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>